Humans have been burning cannabis since our earliest relationship with it. Cave evidence shows that early humans would take whole cannabis plants and put them on small fires in caves and essentially hotbox the cave. And then they would have a mystical experience. And done with the right intentions, we still can. We love smoking cannabis because the lungs provide a speedy and efficient way to get cannabinoids into our blood and into our brain. That's why smoking comes on faster than any other method. Hell yes. There are at least two strong reasons to consider vaporizers, though. The first is that not everyone has lungs of steel, and the longer we smoke hot plant material and tar, the more impact our lungs take over the years. There are also folks who have other respiratory diseases, like COPD, where cannabis smoking can be used as a medicine, but smoking anything at all is impossible. For asthmatics like myself and other folks with respiratory issues, vaporizers create a fun and effective method for us to be able to use cannabis. The second strong reason to consider vaporizers is how much improved the taste can be. To be able to enjoy cannabis flower without all the burning plant material getting in the way of the terpene profile is a great thing. Many of us love the intense flavors of dab oil without the plant as contaminant. Vaping flowers is similar in that we are inhaling the resin of the flower without taking in all the burnt plant particulate and tar that gets in the way of true flavor. You've likely heard me talk about cannabis from an asthmatic perspective before, both here on the podcast and on the Shaping Fire YouTube channel as well. On Shaping Fire episode 36 on Cannabis and Breathing with Robert Littman, we discussed how best to inhale cannabis to preserve your lungs how to incorporate cannabis into asthma and COPD care, and we address the long-time myth that holding your hits gets you higher. Spoiler, it's hypoxia, not THC that makes you feel higher. Today's episode is a blend of cannabis medicine ideas and cannabis engineering ideas. If you want to learn about cannabis health, cultivation, and technique efficiently and with good cheer, I encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter. We'll send you new podcast episodes as they come out, delivered right to your inbox, along with commentary on a couple of the most important news items from the week and videos too. Don't rely on social media to let you know when a new episode is published. Sign up for the updates to make sure you don't miss an episode. Also, we are giving away very cool prizes to folks who are signed up to receive the newsletter. There's nothing else you need to do to win except receive that newsletter. So go to shapingfire.com to sign up for the newsletter this week and be entered into this month's and all future newsletter prize drawings. You are listening to Shaping Fire, and I'm your host, Shango Lose. My guest today is aerospace engineer Mark Lewis. Mark is a lifelong engineer of systems, machines, and organizations. He has been an aerospace engineer for Hughes Space and Communications in Los Angeles. Looking for new challenges, Mark joined the Peace Corps and went into the jungles of Fiji to teach science and help with revitalizing schools there. This experience profoundly shaped his views on the critical impact that education plays in society, which led him to commit 15 years to improving K-12 education and becoming the statewide policy director for STEM education in Oregon. Most recently, though, Mark Lewis is again an engineer and inventor of novel vaporization devices for cannabis products through his company, Pearl Labs. His award-winning designs have been honored by the 2022 Course 77 Design Awards and selected as the 2022 Best Design Vaporizer by Kenigma. 
I discovered Mark through his first in product class vaporizer invention called the Neo. The Neo can be used with any pipe or bong or rig. Um, imagine lighting your cannabis with a lighter like we always have, turning it upside down. But instead, that lighter gives off really intense radiant heat instead of flame. You just put his vape lighter over your flower or oil and it vaporizes. There isn't anything like it on the market, and I love mine. But Mark is not here to talk about his company at all today. You know I don't do company, person, or product profiles on Shaping Fire. We do topics, topics that you're interested in. So Mark is here as my science and engineering expert to break down the science and engineering behind modern vaporizers without talking about his own. During the first set today, we will discuss why cannabis enthusiasts vape. We'll talk about the advantages and disadvantages and the differences between burning cannabis flowers and oil versus vaporizing them. The second set is devoted to engineering. We will look at the three families of vaporizer technology that make up nearly all the vaporizers available, and then compare and contrast them. We will look at them twice, once for flour and once for oil. It's a big set with a lot of details. You will pretty much understand everything you know, need to know about vapes as a toker after that. The third set is short, and we focus specifically on the boiling point myth that conflates evaporation and boiling. They are not the same, and it really impacts your experience with vaporizers. Welcome to Shaping Fire, Mark. So happy to be here, Shango. Thanks for having me on the show. Excellent. All right, let's dive right into it. You know, a lot of people um, feel kind of uh, motivated and nearly religious about their vaporizers once they start using them. But, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand the why of vaporizers yet, because in reality, vaporizers aren't used a ton in the scene yet. People are still mostly you know, lighting their cannabis with fire. And, you know, humans have been burning cannabis with fire for thousands of years to like great effect. So let's start by talking about the advantages uh, cannabis enthusiasts are after when they start using a vape device instead of combustion. Will you tell us a little bit about those advantages? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think first and foremost, uh, there's the health aspect, right? So anytime you're actually combusting, uh, as the people on the West Coast and now the East Coast know uh, the detrimental effects of the wildfires on their lungs and their eyes, uh, you know, smoke carries a lot of harmful products in it, the ash, the soot, the tars. And so first and foremost, uh, the process of vaporization removes a lot of those or almost all of those detrimental uh, compounds from what you're inhaling. So uh, by and large, they are healthier um, than, than smoking. Uh, they're also more efficacious. There's been some research studies uh, about vaporizing flour um, versus smoking it and how much uh, is bioavailable, how much of the medicinals and the active ingredients get absorbed into your bloodstream. Um, it's, it's much higher than, than smoking. Um, so there's the bioavailability um, of the compounds, which is also uh, very um, effective. And then I think the the smell is one of the things that, you know, well, personally, I love the smell of, you know, com cannabis being combusted, uh, but it's a little powerful for some and it and it lingers um, because the smells, the smoke uh, actually gets onto your clothes or onto your into your room. So so the smell of uh, a vapor vaporizers um, tends to be a, quite a bit more discreet. Mm. Um, yeah. And then if you're talking about the uh, vape 
pens, the cartridges, then those are very, very discreet and very convenient um, for people to use. It's really been a benefit to cannabis uh, portable vaporizers that they became popular the same time as nicotine vaporizers because people are so used to people busting out nicotine vaporizers that I can pull out my travel vaporizer anywhere. And unless they're close enough to smell the exhale, they, you know, people around me have no idea. So that's been a real, you know, <laughs> advantage for all of us who, you know, a- attend events or, or even just walk along the street. Yeah. That's a real bone for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about, um, the, uh, the advantage also to people who've got pre-existing conditions like me, sure. you know, I like, like, you know, people who listen to this show, um, often know that, that I have very severe asthma and because I have a respiratory, um, condition, I have to be, uh, gentle on my lungs and, you know, I still smoke joints, but like, I, I, I know after I've smoked a joint, right. Um, yeah, for and, sure. and like, you know, um, when when you go when I go to events like you know Emerald Cup or something where you know you got to puff tough the whole weekend, um, you know I really feel that um, for several days afterwards. And and for for many people with asthma or COPD, if we want to inhale our cannabis, um, vaporizers are a uh, fantastic option um, because it's uh, so less harsh on our lungs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's missing all those ash particles that that lodge into your your lungs. Um, yeah, and and certainly the heavier tars and oils are also removed from that. So it's it's much much easier on on your lungs. You know, when uh, people when people talk about like the 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 unhealthy aspects of smoking, almost everybody just goes to cancer, right? But it's it's interesting to hear you delineate that you know the 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 bits of smoke and the particles in the smoke and um, the tars and all of those things on their own have their own kind of impacts, even if they don't eventually lead to cancer. Yeah, for sure. And and I try to really avoid um you know, uh, criticizing people who who smoke because I I don't think there should be any sort of judgment and there's so much social stigma around smoking these days that I don't think that's the reason why not to smoke. I think it's really, you know, from a health and taste and and the bioavailability for me, you know, uh, it's uh, it's a much more complex experience than smoking. Yeah. And, and, and we'll get to it later, but it's also a different high too. So it is yeah. completely. Yeah. Um, so, but we also need to be fair, right? Because yeah. even though vapes still, uh, even though vapes are so improved for people's lungs, um, it's not without its challenges, right? Um, it's still heated air. We're still in, we're still inhaling superheated air. Yeah, by the time um, it, <laughs> well, compared to smoke, uh, which, you know, you can can reach temperatures you're inhaling, well, right at the embers, you're, you're talking, you know, over a thousand degrees uh, at the ember. But, uh, you know, if you're smoking a joint, you're, you're looking at five, six hundred degrees uh, in your mouth. And with vaporizers, you're, you're well down into, you know, the hundreds, uh, you know, into the low hundreds, you know. 180, 200 degrees at the most, I would think, by the time it enters your mouth. I have not done put a thermocouple in my mouth to measure <laughs> that vapor, but uh, yeah, it's I don't experience that that uh, lung irritation from heat. 
All right. So then, so then yeah. maybe I'm misattributing, you know, so, like I talk about vaporizers a lot with just like regular heads, right? Not usually with scientists like you. And we, so, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for somebody to say, oh my gosh, I've been, I've been hitting my vape so much that my lungs feel crispy. All right. So what, do you have any suggestion on what, uh, what is the attribute of a vaporizer that might make my lungs feel crispy, especially if it's a flower vape, like, you know, my old school packs or something. Yeah. To make your lungs feel crispy, you're, well, uh, we're going to get into, I think some of the, 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 things that are happening at a, at a micro level. But, um, if you're really toasting your herb strongly, you probably are, um, uh, changing the nature of the terpenes and the cannabinoids into other um, thicker oils um, that can uh, reside then in your lungs and have that heavy feel to it. And then certainly with cartridge-based um, vaporizers, uh, the carrier oils make a big difference. And uh, we think we know uh, the background around the Evali scare a couple of years ago uh, with the vitamin E acetate. Mm -hmm. um, and that's exactly what was happening, right, is, is the carrier oils were, were impacting your lung experience. I think it's also fair uh, if we're going to be talking about the downsides of vaping generally to talk about what a, uh, you know, plastic battery waste and trash from packaging nightmare cartridges are. Um, <laughs> no, it's, sure. it's such a drag. And, you know, um, for years, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure if cartridges have solved this yet, but for years I would have a little Ziploc with, you know, partially finished vape cartridges that just had all of this waste in there and i wasn't even going to be able to get the oil out anymore and it just seemed so wasteful like like dupe tubes <laughs> right yeah for sure yeah um uh and then uh i guess we also have to be careful about um you know the terpenes for either oil vapes or for um you know even i guess that would be the only kind because people don't really add terps to flower i hope but um you know we don't really there really aren't a lot of studies on what it is what it means to to vape the amount of terpenes that are common in an oil and um you know terpenes are by their very nature caustic and it'll it, it we won't know until it's too late if it's actually unhealthy to do that and um I, i'm sure you've come across that a lot as as you have done your research yeah, uh, well, I never recommend that people add pure terpenes uh, to um, anything that they're smoking or, or vaporizing uh, because they are uh, solvents, right? So if you think about, uh, you know, limonene, um, it's, it's a wonderful solvent. It it's, uh, helps clean your hands. It can get stickers off. It can do all sorts of wonderful things. Um, but when you're when you experience uh, terpenes and and we've you know group you grow up smelling flowers right your entire life uh, and the history of humanity we've had a very rich interaction with with terpenes in a very beneficial way so in very small amounts um, terpenes are, are phenomenal right so um, keeping uh, keeping as close to nature as possible is is kind of my rule right on so, so let's talk about that, right? Because um, 
it's interesting because if we're talking this idea of keeping it as close to nature and you know if if we humans are you know a a thing of nature and we are a part of nature and we are not excluded from nature the way that we have been using this natural plant with cannabis for thousands of years have been you know by fire you know going into the you know pulling out the plant and and going into the cave and putting it on the fire and filling up the cave with smoke and and you know then then learning to you know craft little pipes when we could control the fire better and and then of course you know eventually developing hash so we're so we're able to store it better and right. and and not burn and and combust as much of the plant material um and and you know so many of us love that profound good taste of of combusting you know quality herb that has been grown and cured um properly and and then yet at the same time as we start to use vaporizers now i am enjoying the same plant in an entirely different way um that's giving me a different experience of the terpenes and and we'll we'll talk more about the 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 science aspects of it later on um but but it's 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 an entirely different taste where there's there's almost a a needed transition period when somebody goes from flour to vaporizing because it is so different would you describe the difference um in in taste experience i guess between combusting and vaporizing the same flour Wow. <laughs> That's not hard. Uh, um, well, I, I would concur, I, uh, first and foremost, with uh, the experience of and rituals of uh consuming a nice joint or or your pipe or your bong. I think we have uh, learned to um, manage our experiences with those devices and with combusting by... Um, you know that we we get a certain feedback that helps us can you know manage our experience and when you're shifting over to for example flower vaporization um the feedback that you're getting is is much much different your lungs are not experiencing that intense hypoxia you know the the uh you know, constriction and the lack of oxygen. Um, you, instead, you're taking a deep breath um, of, of vapor that is rich in uh, the cannabinoids as well as the terpenoids. And it's, it's, it feels gentler, but that can be deceptive as well because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it can get you higher. So you have to, you have to learn to manage your feedback differently with vaporizers than you do with uh, with our traditional modes of consumption. I, I like that uh, use of the word feedback because uh, I would say the number one complaint that I've heard from people who are just starting um, uh, using non-cartridge vaporizers is that, like, did I, did I get a hit? You know, because right. the, the hits with a low temp... Um, you know, handheld vaporizer. I mean, heck, even some of the desktop ones, uh, it's, it, it feels the inhale feels so much thinner. Um, <laughs> and, and it's weird because so many people who are developing vaporizers and then because we, we people keep asking for them, we want vaporizers that will give us clouds. Right. 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 And like, in like clouds are an aesthetic experience, uh, of, of both 
feeling a good hit, like like feedback you were talking about, and also the satisfaction of exhaling and seeing this wah cloud, right? <laughs> which which traditionally is is part of the satisfaction from taking a bong rip, right? Totally. Um. So, would you talk a little bit about why um you know why that hit is is thinner and I, and I guess you've kind of already addressed that because there's 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 not as much particular in there but i guess i would like you to talk to more like um uh are we missing anything from that thinner feeling hit i don't think so from my perspective i think um you again when when you have smoke and it has the ash and particulates and stuff in there your lungs constrict and so you get that intensity um a, a feeling of of in, of uh, being a little more intense because your 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 lungs are responding to uh these things that you know are contaminants um from its perspective uh whereas when you're vaporizing flour uh then your lungs are are not feeling that uh intensity of invasion you're you're getting things that it recognizes and they're binding to the alveoli and then being moved into your uh into your bloodstream and so um, so that's one aspect of it. To the clouds, I think that is a learned feedback that we um, are judging uh, our experience based on these clouds. But at the same time, your your lungs can only absorb so many compounds at a time. So anything that you're exhaling uh, with a vaporizer, you're exhaling those active ingredients. If you're seeing a cloud, that's kind of wasted byproduct because yeah. you yeah. your lungs haven't taken them up and and delivered them to your bloodstream so that's that's another way of thinking about it and at the same time there's always been a a bit of theater in in cannabis right and <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we enjoy that as part of the social aspect yeah that's that's really true um all right so uh if all right i've got two sides of this coin and so i'm going to give you the coin and then you can approach <laughs> it however you want all right on 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 one side of the coin um you know, we're taking these uh, these these thinner hits. I'll say, um, and and you know, you say sometimes they they'll actually get us higher, right? But then on the other side of that coin are many people when they first start vaping, they feel like one hit is not as satisfying for them and they don't get as high, and so they're all like, mm-hmm. well, you know, I need to take like you know two hits uh, or three hits of my my flower vaporizer to get the same feedback as I would from my bong. Um, But then also some days you just go and you have, you know, one hit of the vaporizer and you've got this like really like speedy, bright sativa kind of high, even potentially from, you know, um, a non-equatorial plant, right? That's something that's, that's more mercine rich. So, so what, what I'd like you to kind of just speak to is this idea of, of the hits being thinner. And so we have to take more of them. 
And yet the misnomer in that, that like we actually can get, get wicked high, wicked fast from vaporizers too. Like, like how, like as somebody who studies the technology and the, and, and the user experience, how do you kind of resolve those? Cause they're all true, right? <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all true. Uh, yeah. So for the same, let's, let's put some boundaries on, on where we go with this. Fair enough. That sounds good. Um, so for the same amount, amount of herb um uh, i will claim and i think research backs me up on this that uh, you will get higher if you completely vaporize the same amount of herb um as smoking but it's over as you mentioned over far more hits i guess uh, maybe you, you know double or triple the hits so that's one aspect of it um yeah, and yet paradoxically, it's it's more effective. So uh, the where I'm actually going is when you first load a fresh bowl um, with a vaporizer, uh, you we haven't talked about decarbing it yet, and decarboxylation doesn't take place immediately like it does with fire, and so your early pulls um, are going to evaporate some of the THC. CA without necessarily converting it um, to THC. And so, yes, your first couple of pulls are probably going to feel a little thinner and maybe not affect you, but that third, fourth, fifth, sixth are going to be fully decarbed and, and a lot more intense. You know, that's so obvious, but I have never thought of that before. Huh, that's really interesting. So so I hear that two different ways. Number one, I like it because if my first hits are going to be offering me more THCA, CBGA, CBDA, right. then my latter hits, that means I'm going to get all these acid forms of the plant, which are healthy and good for me. Yep. But the longer it stays in the vaporization chamber, the heating chamber, the the cannabinoids will be changing to the non-acid versions. And so I'm getting a, perhaps a wider array of that. And, and for, for, and for the listeners who are not um, familiar with decarb, decarboxylation, um, essentially what you need to do to make THC an intoxicant is that you have to heat it to a certain point that change it, changes it from an acid to a non-acid. And when, you know, when we normally smoke bowls or, um, <clears throat> smoke joints, there's so much fire in, in that joint that it happens instantly. But as Mark was talking about earlier, we're not, we're not burning at a thousand degrees. We're talking about more like a couple hundred. And so that process doesn't happen instantly. Um, right. So then the second thing I'm thinking, not only am I happy about getting all these acid forms of the cannabinoids, on the flip side, if I'm dollar conscious, that's going to really annoy the hell out of me because I could see that as wasting cannabinoids because if I'm if I'm money conscious and I'm trying to get, you know, the most bang for my buck, I want to get high, I actually will be disappointed that I'm smoking THCA um like the first hit or two. So it really it really is different um consumer to consumer. Yeah, I think um, 
I, I have never experienced disappointment uh, with flower vaporization. I'll just say Shango. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you're through vaporization. And again, w- when we get into the mechanics of, of different kinds of modes of, of vaporization, um, you know, we can see how they'll behave differently. But uh, often, you, unlike with fire, um, when you're combusting, you've got a lot of side stream you've got a lot of wastage and with many vaporizers um certainly the the more reputable ones uh you're not heat actually heating the cannabis when you're not inhaling and so uh the your bowl goes a lot lot longer um and from an efficiency standpoint your the over the overall amount of product that you are going to be purchasing in a month to uh, manage your health health and well-being um, is likely to drop significantly. I see. So it's a, it's a much more co- uh, complex algorithm than I was giving uh, credit to. And also, as far as like the wastage goes, um, it's, it's, uh, it's always noticed how much smaller the heating compartments are on uh, vaporizers as they are like from your hand-blown glass slide that can take, you know, a thumb-sized gram nug in it, right? And then you go over to your vape and it's asking you to take like, you know, one-seventh of that or yeah, one-tenth of that and then and then grind it and then put it in there. It 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 usually looks like a a, a paucity. I think that's the right use of that word. It looks like such a small amount of weed, um, but then and then but then you know still gets you high, and so it's it's confusing. It's less weed, it gets you high, but you need to take more hits, and you're getting a lot more THCA. But over time, you're you're wasting less, so it's actually budgetary <laughs> smart. Yes, damn, I think you're nailing. <laughs> oh man. All right, so um, all right, so l- let's let's wrap this up. So I wanted to start this first set with um, you know conversations about you know the why of it kind of generally, but um, no doubt I know I have invited an engineer here. So um, we're going to go and take a commercial break, and then when we come back, we're going to uh, get into a more serious discussion about uh, the engineering behind um, the popular varieties of uh, vapes, and go through some uh, oil vaping solutions and flower vaping solutions and really get into the mechanics of it. So uh, you are listening to Shaping Fire, and my guest today is aerospace engineer Mark Lewis. And, you know, without these advertisers, Shaping Fire wouldn't happen. So please support them and let them know you heard of them on Shaping Fire. You've heard me talk about the award-winning cannabis seeds that come from the analytical breeding program of Seth and Eric Crawford, who founded Oregon CBD Seeds. In fact, Seth was a guest on Shaping Fire in 2020 to talk about triploid genetics. Seth and Eric are now releasing high-THC seeds for home growers and farms as Grow the Revolution Seeds at gtrseeds.com. Their high THC seeds are extraordinary in that they will start to flower at 16 and a half hours of daylight instead of the typical 14 and a half hours of daylight. That means in most regions, your plants will start to flower outdoors in the middle of July instead of the middle of August, which means these photo period plants finish in September and not October, totally upending the photo period seed market. 
Seth and Eric took their prized early flowering CBG line and bred it to some of the most desired verified genetics out there, including Sour Diesel, Triangle Kush, Wedding Cake, Chem Dogs, Skittles, and others. These crosses all express powerful photoperiod terpene profiles and THC, giving you a great high. GTR Seeds has a new THCV line with plants like Double Durban and Gigantor that boast one-to-one THC to THCV, and people want that THCV. GTR Seeds are very consistent, true-growing, inbred F1s from stabilized inbred parent lines. These seeds are nearly homogenous, and the plants should all grow the same. There is only one phenotype in every pack available as diploids and triploids. Seth and Eric's company is still family-owned, patient and employee-centric, and partially powered by their two acres of solar panels. Everyone can purchase these seeds and the entire catalog of Oregon CBD seeds at gtrseeds.com. Go to gtrseeds.com today and choose something revolutionary for your next indoor or outdoor run. As cannabis regulations become more demanding and consumers become more educated, it is increasingly important to avoid the use of chemical pesticides when cultivating cannabis. Beneficial insects have been used for decades by the greenhouse vegetable and ornamental plant industry, and today many cannabis cultivators are moving from sprays and chemicals to beneficial insects. Copert has the beneficial insects, mites, and nematodes, microbials, sticky cards, and air distribution units you need to partner with nature to defend your garden. Whether you manage acres of canopy or have a simple grow tent in your home, Copert is ready to help answer your questions and help you transition away from chemical sprays towards clean and natural solutions. Since 1967, Copert has assisted growers in identifying pests and devising reliable solutions while providing healthy insects and mites that will protect your yield. Since the 1990s, Copert has been a leader in cannabis pest and disease control worldwide and have highly trained consultants to assist you in Canada and the United States from coast to coast. With their global network of grower support, Copert can help. Visit copert.com, choose your country, and get detailed information. That's copert, K-O-P-P-E-R-T.com. For the most up-to-date cannabis-related biological control information, you can also check their Instagram at copertcanada. You know getting away from pesticides is good for health and good for business, and Copert is ready to help. Visit copert.com today. Cannabis folks are innovators and problem solvers, and we like to make money. Have you developed a tool, technique, or plant that you want to protect and monetize? You'll likely want legal representation that is experienced, accessible, and shares your values. Plant and Planet Law represents a wide variety of clients who choose to respect the environment while pursuing their business goals. Have you invented a machine or gizmo that you're bringing to market? Did you discover a breakthrough environmentally friendly pesticide or fertilizer formulation that you're about to start selling? Have you bred a cannabis plant with attributes not found anywhere else? Attorney Dale Hunt and his Plant and Planet team have established genetic patents in over 30 countries. Working to help entrepreneur scientists throughout the life sciences, Plant and Planet represents environmentally positive clients in cannabis and other botanicals, fungi, water purification, clean energy, emulsions, and medical applications. Plant and Planet helps people protect what they've created. 
If you are an early stage company with an established idea and are in the process of fundraising, often the investors require intellectual property protections happen at the same time. Plant and Planet can be your sole representation or they can integrate with your existing legal team and plug in their specialties. Plant and Planet is made of scientists, lawyers with a real passion for cannabis, inventions, and the environment. They have the scientific and legal depth to help you establish patent protections for your great idea. You don't have to go it alone. Friendly, qualified, and honorable legal representation is available to you. Contact Plant and Planet Law today to start the conversation. Email info at plantandplanet.com. That's Plant and Planet Law. Our clients make the planet better. Welcome back. You are listening to Shaping Fire. I am your host, Shango Lose, and my guest today is aerospace engineer Mark Lewis. So during the first set, we talked about why we vape, uh, what the in- cannabis enthusiast experience is, and uh, you know some of the some of the challenges and workthroughs for those. But we're going to get into more of the nitty gritty of the engineering behind um, uh, both flour and oil vaporizers now, um, both so that you can you know just be a little deeper on this this very important aspect of the you know cannabis culture, but also this should help provide a, a bit of a uh, you know a shopping guide for you as you um, you know as, as you learn about the the different types of vaporizers and and you can figure out what what you might be interested in uh, should you decide to pick one up. So, Mark, you know you know there's a lot of different approaches designing vaporizers and there are so many coming out on the market all the time now. Um, and, and we're going to talk about flower vapes and first, and then vaping oil second, because because they really are like different things. So so let's talk about flower vapes. So like, do flower vapes fall neatly into a few different categories so that we can kind of bunch them up and talk about them, or is there so much for variability, model to model, that we have to like take them one by one? God help us. <laughs> well, not all vaporizers are created equal, for sure, Shango. Um, and when it comes to flower vaporizers, there are two primary categories, uh, and those are convection-based vaporizers and conduction-based vaporizers. Now, um, anyone who's stood around a campfire has also experienced radiant heat before, and that's you know heat transfer at a distance, if you will, and... Um, some vaporizers uh, might include that, and that is certainly a an effect that uh, impacts sort of the the internal working of of uh, of a vaporizer. To summarize, you know, just briefly the differentiation between the two modes. Um, and, and honestly, I'm going to oh. encourage you to not be necessarily that brief, right? Like, okay. like we don't necessarily need to do a dissertation, but this conduction <laughs> versus conven- convection thing that I think that you're about to wade into, like this is key, right? So, right, so, right. so, so take your time so that we can all pick up on this. Cause just the fact that conduction and convection are so similar immediately confuses people right out of the gates. And so, <laughs> so like, so like take your time because I think this is, this is a chunky bit. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, you know, in short conduction is a heat transfer through touch. Right. So if you are a, a conduction based vaporizer has an oven, it has a chamber uh, either made of metal or ceramic and you place your herb in in that and the vaporizer heats up that oven 
Um, and so your herb is being heated through the from the walls of that little oven of that chamber, um, and that's conduction. So it's being heated largely by touch. Uh, a convection-based vaporizer is sort of like a convection oven or an air fryer. You're heating up the air, and then that is being uh, transported or pulled or pushed through your herb um, and that hot air then extracts uh, or evaporates the uh, various compounds. So conduction is actually your flower touching the heating piece and convection is somewhere up the up the chamber the 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 air is being heated and then you're sucking that hot heat towards the flower and the heat is touching the flower instead of the metal or the ceramic right the air is flowing through the hot air is flowing through and evaporating um, the compounds the volatile compounds okay and then the third kind was radiant where um there is there is uh, some kind of device that's that's uh itself just hot and you're, I'm putting it in in general proximity, but it's not. It's it's neither touching the flower nor far away. Right. Right. Okay. Um. So, can you give us a little bit of explanation on the conduction convection timeline? Because you know, I know that generally speaking, people consider one better than the other. But but I would like you to just kind of um, explain. The, the the beginning of vaporizers design what was first and then and then how they've kind of evolved and 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 while not everybody likes the same kind of vaporizers kind of where the people are responding in the market yeah uh, i think the earliest vaporizers that i'm aware of are are certainly um you know they played around in the 70s with with heat guns um and uh, you know just delivering the hot air uh that evolved to some of the whip based um vaporizers like the vapor brothers the early boxes with uh i with still have my vapor whip. robbers yeah. box man <laughs> yeah and uh you know bert there he's he's a wizard he's one of the grandfathers of of uh, vaporizers he's a really good guy understands all of this um those were were largely convection based um vaporizers so they were heating the air and it was flowing through your herb um now when it started to move to more portable uh, kind of devices, it's a lot easier to manufacture in small, um, you know, compact designs uh, to engineer a conduction-based vaporizer. Um, so to heat up the oven, throw your herb in that oven, um, something on the market, a, a cup, some of the ones like the PAX um, is, is largely a conduction-based vaporizer. And so how we how we'll picture that is that all of these various vaporizers where it's got some kind of little lid and uh, you put your flower in there and it's it's actually you know touching it against um, steel or ceramic and then you're putting the the top back on um, they all kind of fall in the same category no matter what they look like 
Uh, there's a sizable portion, um, but there's others on the market that are hybrids and and oh. do uh, a lot of the heating of the air. Uh, you know, the crafty and mighty by Storz and Bickel. Um, they will you know heat the air, uh, but there's also a conduction component to their design. So some of the heat you know, is transmitted up to the walls of the chamber as well. So they're uh, both introducing hot air as well as conduction from the sides um, and uh, trying to then get an even uh, vaporization of all the products. That's a good point for me to not be over generalizing and and make it look like they're, th- these are really such um, separated uh, solutions because because you're right you know like everybody is in is inventing and trying to find the the technology blend that works best for their product and 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 so anybody who's going to buy one make sure you understand the one that you want to get directly and not you know just something very general that you you know that you read generally about conduction or whatever right right mm-hmm. I'm, all right i interrupted you please continue uh, well, I was going to say just to to highlight some of the differences when you actually have uh, a hot um, hot material touching your herb, uh, you have a danger of burning it, right? Because they have to compensate by delivering a lot more thermal energy through the walls in order to have it then um, cook, if you will, the herb that's in the middle of the chamber. So you have a much higher likelihood of over-roasting um, your herb and getting that kind of burnt popcorn taste that uh, some people complain about. I do not care for the toasty. No, no. I'm a light roast kind of guy. Light roast, there you go. <laughs> uh, so so, you, so if, if you're going to get um, you know, more of an opportunity of the toastiness with conduction... Um, uh, you would not get that with convection because the heated air is coming in contact with your the entirety of your flower mass at the same time, right? Uh, correct. Um, well, it's it's impacting the the wherever the inlet side is. It's getting a blast of the heated air. You know, first that that particular uh, part of the herb is going to get the heat blast first, but mm-hmm. then it's going to be pulled through uh, your herb. Now, uh, in a convection-based vaporizer, you can also pump up the power so much that uh, you do, you know, over roast it as well. So if you're up at combustion level temperatures for that air, it will certainly combust on you. But most vaporizers try to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you would really need to have your temp like really cranked up at that. You point. would have to have it cranked up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to your timeline that you're giving us. Um, you know, you gave, you talked to us about the box vapes and then the, you know, the first, I'll say real breakthrough, um, you know, to the consumer market vape of the packs. Um, and then, and then things continue on to convention. So please, please pick it up. Uh, yeah, well, I think a lot of the things that you're seeing on the market now are variations uh, of a very similar approach. Um, uh, a lot of vaporizers are trying to um, 
portray flexibility uh, through incorporation of different uh, apps, um, you know, so that you can control the the temperature settings, uh, and and we can talk about you know <laughs> whether or not they can actually do that or not. Um, most vaporizers uh, are able to. You can set a particular setting um, and vary those with an app or directly through the button control. Let's go um, ahead and have that conversation now because I was going to ask you that in two questions anyway. You know these these temp controls, and I, and I know we're kind of like talking about the entirety of the market. So that's not really fair, but generally speaking, are these temp controls to be believed? Because, um, you know, un- unless I'm paying a good penny, you know, for a vape and, you know, getting like a, you know, stores in Bickle or something, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty suspicious of these, these temperatures that I'm being told that they're heating at for anything that I'm paying under 200 bucks for. Yeah, I, I I think you're right to be suspicious um, on that uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, some don't actually use a thermal couple, you know, a, a a sensor that feeds back the actual temperature, and then. Moreover, I think the the biggest thing is, well, think about a regular oven. You heat it to 350 degrees, but as soon as you open the door to put your cookies in, um, then it drops a considerable amount, and the same with a vaporizer. Mm -hmm. So it might heat it to a steady state, but as soon as you start pulling cool air in, that's going to vary the the actual temperature of the airflow and the vapor that you're experiencing. Now, the good side of the temperature settings that on a particular vaporizer is that you will probably get relative consistency from one session to another, um, regardless of whether it's actually true. Um, so, so that can still be a very, very beneficial kind of attribute to a vaporizer so that you can be able to dial in the experience that you want from one session to another. Right on. I I buy that. I think that makes a lot of sense. So, so even though on some of the lesser, um, expensive vapes, the, uh, the temps may not be accurate to, you know, the number that they say it is. Um, but at least it's going to be same from session to session. So once you find out the, you know, where you like it, um, it'll be able to hit that mark consistently. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I like that. Um, so let, let's talk about the, the grinding part, right? Um, Mm. so, you know, historically a lot of people don't, um, grind flour for a bowl. Um, uh, many people will grind flour to roll a joint, though my mentor hated grinders and believed it always had to be done by scissors. Um, but I think that was because he, um, he was always collecting seeds. So I'm not sure about that. Um, but, but, but when it comes to you know, grinding, you know, every book that you get with your vaporizer says to uh, grind the flour so you get a more even experience. Will you speak to that? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I really don't like grinders, but it's true. Uh, on, on Well, there's pros and cons, let's just say. Yeah, break it down. Uh, Tell us. Let's break it down. Uh, when you actually grind your herb, you are changing the particle side and making some uniform consistency in the uh, when you pack your material into your vaporizer and so that can be very 
beneficial to get even flow, similar to grinding coffee, right? You can't make coffee with whole beans. <laughs> you know, you have to have to grind it. And for different coffee makers, you grind it to different sizes. So it's a similar analog for, for flour vaporizers too. Uh, grinding will certainly give you that consistency uh, of the of the pack, if you will, or the puck, <laughs> as I call it, because it comes out as a puck once you've used it. Um, but I don't really like the what happens to my trichomes. Um, I don't want to go chasing after Keef and then reintroduce it to uh, the bowl. Um, so I prefer actually to chop my my herb directly in into the chamber or to the bowl. Um, when you say I'm, chop, do you mean like uh, like finger separation or scissors? I, I actually just use fingers to pluck small, you know, uh, small size, and then I I have a have a tiny little sharp knife that uh, that I poke it with mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and tease it around and and get it to a, a fairly uniform consistency. So that's that's my method, but everybody has their own kind of method. But I like to keep my trichomes um, with the rest of my herb. Yeah, and and I guess some of that also depends on what kind of a grinder you're using, right? Because totally. if you're not using the keef attachment, um, it stays with it. The the yeah. part about the grinders that I haven't really cared for is is the smearing of all the trichomes, uh, and uh, and then like cleaning cleaning them off of the grinder. You know, if you know back back when I was you know younger, that seemed like a lot of waste. Completely. Uh, I mean, it still seems like a lot of waste, but I have. I have plenty of weed now, you know, unlike when I was younger. <laughs> totally. Um, and, um, but uh, for me, the, the main advantage of the grind is to get that um, nice, even pull and to know that I am not wasting the, the trichomes that are um, on the interior of the little budlets, let's say, that are right. in there. Um, am I correct in my assumption that the the hot air and the conductive walls of the oven, neither of those will vaporize a trichome that is caught on the interior of a dense bud little piece. Uh, Yes, in general. Um, The... It really depends on the size, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, of of what you're dealing with there. I would say that uh, yes, it's it's more efficient to to actually grind your herb and to be able to access those internal trichomes. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean this <laughs> is clear, this is clearly personal preference, right? <laughs> right. So so you 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 gave good reasons why you're you know on your side and and I did as well and you and I all both have plenty of weed. But to some, <laughs> somebody else whose decision matrix might be slightly different, well, I want them to be able to get the information they need to right? totally totally yeah. I, I have think, a, i know lots of people who have opinions who who i need more than just their opinion because i right. i want to i, I want to kind of understand the whole area so i can make my opinion right yeah. right what i tend to do i mean again this is my personal preference is you know when you have those small nuggets you are correct that the the internal trichomes don't immediately um aren't accessible to to the hot air um uh what I tend to do is is open the chamber back up and crush it, and then release all of those 
things. Um, I see. Once, so that, once, once you've hit it a couple times and it's dry. Then it's dried and it will then fall apart readily. And you, yeah. And then you've got your even uh, distribution then of particles and it's uh, more efficient. Right on. The next thing I was going to ask you was the re- recommendation that most of these these companies have to stir. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, usually somewhere around, I don't know, hit four or five, they say, oh, pop, pop, pop it open and give it a little stir. And oh, my God, it just kills me how, how often I see somebody using a pen with ink on the end to do that. And I'm all like, you're not even thinking about what you're putting on your herb, dude. But it, it's way too common. But anyway, then they, then they close it up and continue on. And, um, you know, do you think that stirring is, is effective? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, almost all vaporizers have, um, you know, with the airflow going through, you're not going to get even heating of of your herb. So stirring it just means you're you're moving the sort of the unspent particles around, moving the oils around so that they can be efficiently vaporized. So I, I strongly encourage stirring if you want to get the most out of your herb. If you're feeling kind of lazy and, and you've got a, you know, an abundance of herb available, then, you know, whatever you want. <laughs> right on. If you're, feeling, if you're feeling lazy or wealthy. Um, right. <laughs> so, so at what point would you recommend the stirring? Um, I usually stir when I when I taste the toast for the first time, but right. I, I also suspect that I'm 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 one hit late at that point. Yeah, uh, it it really is a personal preference. So you can stir every pull, which is a pain in the butt. Yeah, but right. um, yeah, every three or four pulls, you know. I've never tried ever every pull. I ha- that, like that 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 sounds like so much work. But I, I should I should do it for the experience for sure. <laughs> So that I can weigh all this properly. Yeah, I would never do it every poll. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we talked on the first set about how, um, you know, cloud hits are different with vapes. And yet sometimes you do pull clouds and sometimes you do pull bigger flavorful hits, even if there is no cloud. And... Um, in my experience, whatever cloudness I'm going to get from a vaporizer is improved with stirring. What are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, uh, and again, I think that once you're into pull two or three, you've um, you know you you have decarbed, you have warmed the bowl, you have removed any uh, of the residual um, sort of moisture in the herb, and and so they just it just becomes the whole system becomes a lot more efficient, you know, three or four pulls in, and so you are going to get uh, more, you know, bigger clouds more easily at that point. All right. So, um, so, uh, let's, let's move on unless you've got anything else to say here. Let's move on to oil vapes. Yeah. Well, let, let me talk just briefly about a couple of, couple of other things, um, here. One is that we haven't talked about sort of the exhaust, what happens to the vapor Mm. after it's moved through your herb and, um, Frequently, another thing to look at in a vaporizer is how much accumulates, you know, in that vapor pathway. Uh, some some uh, vaporizers on the market, and I'm not going to call them out, but you know, claim for an all glass pathway. Uh, well, glass 
actually is is a fairly conductive material. Um, it tends to be cool, so we we have this perception that we want to cool the vapor. Well, once we cool the vapor, you've got those oils that are then condensing in that pathway. And the way you can tell, you know, sort of how efficient the vaporizer is, is how much gunk you have to clean out and how often. Um, so another sort of buying decision is to look at, you know, just how much, uh, you know, what happens to the vapor after it goes through the herb. Um, are you having to frequently clean it? Well, then that's not really, you're not getting the maximum benefit from your vapor. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to say that. Um, And then one of the other sort of controversies or questions that are out there is, is how, how much do you pack in your chamber? You know, how do you press it down? Do you uh, crush it? Um, How dense do you, do you pack it in? Um, And my take on this from a sort of aeronautic science kind of (laughs) direction is that for convection-based, so the ones that are using the hot air for a convection-based vaporizer, tamp, tamp it down. So press it down and compress it. It's similar to what you do with an espresso shot. You're removing any um, sort of easy channels for the air to flow past your herb rather than through it. And air will always find the path of least resistance. So if you have those channels and the larger buds in there, then it's going to flow past rather than through um, your herb. So definitely compress it uh, down. And it creates what's known as back pressure, which is similar to a carb cap on a dab rig. It lowers the pressure um, right there at the herb, and it will vaporize more efficiently. Wow, I'm really glad that you went back for that. Um, Not only is that interesting, but I do it wrong. You know, I noticed it earlier when you said, um, you know, when you take the puck out of your vape, right? Right. And I'm all like, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't have pucks. It's just like, it just comes out as like slightly brown ground up weed still, you know? Uh Um, And, and in my head, I, I wanted to leave a little breathing room so that the hot air could easily be be drawn through it. But now I understand from your analysis that that I'm doing it exactly wrong because by my leaving it somewhat loose in there, even though that does make it easier for the stirring uh, step, that... Um, that I am cre- I'm allowing easy vapor paths that that will be preferred by the physics of the inhalation when really I want to press it down so that there's all these multitude of variety of paths that are being taken for a convection based vaporizer. Yeah, for so convection. for, for a conduction based vaporizer or like a Dynavap, which is the really innovative design, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like basically, those. yeah, they look like, I mean, they, they replicate the, the notion of smoking. So it's like a, it's a smoke like experience, right? Uh, but there are, largely a conduction based uh, you know vaporizer in in that regard the the metal heats up right for 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 something like that or the packs um, uh, which many people have I would say a, a looser pack is probably better because you're heating from the walls so how does the heat then transfer if it's really dense the heat is not going to be transported through your herb because your herb itself is 
has low conductivity wood and plants they don't conduct heat very well um, whereas then the air that's moving through there you want it to circulate and and the heat to then move into the center of of that chamber so um, for a conduction-based vaporizer i would pack it a little more loosely you know, it's interesting too to hit on the Dynavap one more time. Um, uh, I, I I have owned one, and the one I have, I've only ever used it with uh, my butane torch, right? And that's right. an interesting experience to hear the little crack sound and then and then know that it's time to take your hit. All that's very interesting. I'm not a super big fan of using the torches in general, though. Right. Um, but then my buddy Michael, you know, he came over and he is like a total Dynavap like fanboy like he well actually he kind of is just like a vaporizing scientist actually he you know until until i met you he pretty much knew more than anybody i knew about him and um and so he got this uh he got this desktop thing that dynavap has got where it's like you, you plug it in and you can just kind of put the pipe into it and and it acts kind of like um it transfers electric energy to it and it's very convenient like an e-nail is and then and then you just take it out and you hit it and it's it's so much more elegant and it's it's interesting that it is a product that has multiple um, heating mechanisms because really that's pretty uncommon to have multiple heating mechanisms for one vape system yeah, I, I I really am impressed with the sort of the engineering background of of the Dynavap and what they're doing. I, I believe that's an induction based heating um, sort of block that you you drop it in, and so it uses induction to then heat um, it up to the perfect temperature. So uh, I think that's pretty fantastic. Excellent. All right, are you ready to move on to oil now? Sure. All right. So, so as kind of like a bridge place, let's just give a little bit of a shout out to those flower vaporizers who really, really want to be oil vaporizers too. <laughs> and so, um, you know, they will, they will have like little solutions like, um, you know, oh, I've, I've got a little cup and you can, you know, you, you can take your oil and put it in the cup and then drop it into the flower chamber or, um, or, or, you know, we've, we've got this, you know, specialty screen or a sponge and put your oil in that and then we'll put it into the flower vaporizer. And, and, you know, those can, um, the people can definitely find effectiveness with those, but I think that across the board, it's really hard to make one vaporizer that's best for all solutions. And, and like, if you only, if you're only going to buy one and you need one that does both, that's you know, like, there are definitely some good solutions out there, but, um, you know, going all the way back to the, the, the original packs, like little cup that was in there. You know, I, I got mine assuming that it was going to be an oil vape and a flower vape, but that little that that little cup just it didn't really work <laughs> didn't, out over time. Didn't, you know, didn't, didn't really work, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so what are what are your thoughts on on these vapes that try to straddle? Well, I think that when it comes to vaporization um, of, of an oil, it's all about trying to maximize your surface area. And so when we're dealing with flour, it's great because the flour fibers uh, wick the oils and distribute them across the, across the fibers, and it, it's pretty easy. So one way of experiencing oils or concentrates uh, would be to just drop it on or mix it in with your with your flour. 
flour, and and that can be a pretty effective way of using mm-hmm. uh, the flour vaporizers to experience oil. But then you've got to mix, and you're not getting that purity um, that a lot of people who dab are seeking um, from from their extracts. And so the um, just I'm going to do a little bit on the because I spent a couple of years trying to find a solution to this yeah, yeah. <laughs> with oils and most of the vaporizers the flower vaporizers in the market use a stainless steel kind of Brillo pad if you will um, they it's just a bunch of stainless steel wire that's been compressed into a little you know shaped puck or disc that then gets dropped into the the chamber um, the challenge with that is that uh, metal will warm up and not reach uh, the vaporization temperatures very readily so while it's warming up, your thick oil or, or concentrate, your wax or shatter is going to start melting and it's going to travel along that, uh, along those wires. And oftentimes before you reach the vaporization temperatures, it's going to start flowing into the rest mm-hmm. of your unit and you're getting to get that gunk everywhere. Um, so no, most, most, uh, that try to do both are are not very effective. Um, how, how many of us have had that experience early in our toking career where um, we try to put you know a ball of bubble hash or something <laughs> into our bong with uh, with a screen and and we're warming it up and as we're warming it up we're seeing it like slide down the slide on the glass right. and you're like you're like no. I, I only got one hit off of that and now it's all like now it's, it's all, all inter- yeah it's all inside of the bong oh. Yeah, that's disappointing. (laughs) But similar, I mean, that's exactly what's happening inside the vaporizer, and then you end up having to clean it out, and and that's no fun. Nobody likes doing dishes. (laughs) (laughs) You have very good point. Um, All right, so let's talk more about like oil vaping solutions that are specifically for it. This really isn't going to be a long show on carts, right? But but let's do talk about just um, the idea behind the carts and how they function. but carts could be like their own show, you know? So, right, so right. if you would just explain the mechanics of carts, um, that'll be great. Yeah. I mean, basically you have, uh, carts are, are a very interesting and efficient, right? Um, they're very convenient. Uh, the oil basically is, uh, you know, is in the cartridge and then there's a heating element, um, oftentimes there's a wick or a wicking mechanism to make sure that the oil gets transferred to the, to that heating element, um, or to a hot ceramic, uh, that then, uh, locally basically boils the oil, um, locally. And so that then, uh, that vapor then is transmitted and, uh, you know, through the mouthpiece and aerosolized. Um, one thing I learned recently is that uh, part of the design of, of many cartridges is actually to introduce uh, an external, they have little air holes, and that is to make sure that the vapor is less dense. Um, 
and that it coalesces back into an aerosol rather than staying in fine particulate form. And that was always, that fascinated me. Part of that is to increase sort of the cloud production, but also to make it a little easier on your lungs and to cool it a little bit before it enters your lungs. Mm. Um, you know, as, as far, you know, we're really going to focus on, on non-cart vapes, but, but since we're right here, I think that it's important yeah. for us to say, you know, whatever your preferences in, you know, what you want in your vape, like, you know, I'm a big fan of hash rosin personally, but I certainly have got respected friends who like properly purged BHO for flavor. And, you know, there's, there, there's a wide range of, of what you can put in the vape. The only thing I want to be clear on is to know your source because there is a lot of garbage that can be put in the vapes. Um, and, and it, it was weird in the early days, people didn't really know what was best to put in the vape. So people tried everything everything from, you know, uh, coconut oil to vegetable glycerin and all these different things. And, and, and God help us, we made it through. And, yeah. and, and so now we know mostly we, we don't want to be, you know, adding non-cannabis constituents. Um, but then the ones in the in the licensed market are often so expensive for lots of people that, that they tend to buy them cheaper in the unlicensed market. And then, then we're back to the problem right. of, Oh God, what the hell's in it. <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, whatever, whatever your oil preference, dear listener, um, you know, know, know your source because we want, we don't want you to get, you know, some kind of serious lung issue from, right. uh, from using some sketchy stuff. Right. And, and to, for, from a functionality perspective, you have to have something added to the cannabis oil or it won't flow well, right? So there's a, a, a degree of, uh, of flow that, that enters into the design uh, and requires something to kind of cut or thin um, the oil to make it function properly. Now, Is, one of the... Go ahead. Go ahead. Is that always the case though? Because I really thought that the that like the, the big breakthrough in the last like eighteen months is people being able to press hash rosin at a viscosity um, that they can put them in these these new vapes and not have to have any adulterant at all to it. And I, I thought that was true. Is that not accurate? I, I don't know, Shango. Okay, fair, fair enough. So, yeah, yeah, fair yeah enough, I, don't, fair I, I, I haven't seen those designs yet. Um, and that's exciting if it is. Um, one of the cautions that I would say for people with uh, the cartridge-based uh, vaporizers, because at least I experience this, um, and that is that throat burn mm -hmm. um, that often happens. And, and it's easy to think that that's temperature, but I, I don't believe that the that's what's really happening. Um, anytime that you drop, let's say, uh, if you've done Chinese cooking or, or dropped, you know, hot oil onto or oil onto a really hot pan, mm -hmm. that's like red hot, right? Uh, you get um, a lot of, you convert those oils fairly rapidly into other compounds that are thicker and are 
polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, you know, well said. <laughs> they become uh, worse. They become bad shit, you mm-hmm. know, is, is really what happens there. So anytime you're uh, really putting the oil in the presence of something that's super hot, um, it's going to alter the chemical structures of those compounds. And so that's what I believe uh, the throat burn is due to. Um, at least that's my my yeah. my armchair science background yeah, yeah. on that. I'll take <laughs> it. And, and also, damn, if that's true, uh, that that explains why so many people have turned away from cartridges and gone to some of these other solutions, um, like the Correct. Puffco Peak, which we're going to talk about right. in a second. But, but before we do, um, so w- do you consider an e-nail vaping or combustion? I would say it's a, it's a form of vaporization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, it, and I was wondering if it had to do with like the temp, because, you know, certainly we, we do, we, we, we do see smoke from it. Right. And, and, but we don't ever see fire. Um, and so I was kind of of this idea myself, cause I've used an email for years that, that at my lower temperatures is a vaporizer, but at higher temperatures it's combustion, but that might be like the most non-science thing I've said today. <laughs> well, if you're experiencing, again, you can alter the chemical composition without it being combustion. So at high mm-hmm. temperatures, when you pass the smoke point of an oil, you start altering the chemical composition and that can feel like combustion, right? Um, it's, a, it's a harsher effect. And so when your nail is, is super hot, um, uh, Largely, <laughs> it will lead to that kind of uh, thing. So there's been a lot of movement to the to the cold start dabbing or low temperature dabbing, yeah. um, and e nails have certainly helped that uh, quite a bit um, to to dial in the the temperatures more precisely. Right on. Um, so um, so we're gonna next. Let's talk about the 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 Puffco Peak, which um, you know stands out as being, you know, one of the most cherished, uh, instruments, um, you know, in the oil community, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's convenience and, and the fact that you, you know, you were talking about the, um, Oh, surface area. Right. right. And one of the great things is they, they've got the, you know, their, their bowls are great and they're pretty evenly heated throughout it. And so you've got a lot of space at once that's in contact with the oil at the same time. And, and, you know, I, I guess I'll want to be clear that, you know, Puffco is not like a sponsor or anything, you know, other people like the focus uh, Carta, right? So like, I'm talking more about the design where mm-hmm. it, it looks like a bong and, and you've got this, this wide bowl, and and then it's heated and then when you put your concentrate on there um you're you're going to get a, a a large vapor hit at once because of all the surface area um do you, do you like how i'm explaining the science behind that is that is that how you see it too yeah yeah i have not had a ton of experience with the puffco but it's you know sexy af right yeah, i mean right. it is it is you know let's face it 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 uh, hits all the right uh, notes i think for for being a fantastic product and um you know and it and it can really deliver for those people who want that experience so yeah it's pretty revolutionary from an e-nail perspective and you know they got a lot of crap over in, in the early years because there there were some models that went out with some you know failing components which they've they've i guess they figured out over the years because 
I haven't heard people complete, compare, uh, complain about that anymore, but um, have you ever seen the, 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 the specialty Puffco Peak um, hand-blown and, and made glass trophies that they use for Emerald Cup the last few years since they started sponsoring them? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. They're absolutely beautiful. Um, uh, I wish I could plug the artist who does such a great job on them, or maybe they change them from year to year. But anyway, if um, that's great, you know, for those who, those who like Puffco's and they also like ostentatious pieces, you know, you know, uh, search for the, for the Emerald Cup, um, awards yeah. they look pretty i've seen good. some great wood ones online where people are making some, oh, some wood gorgeous tops. wood pipes that uh that then the carta fits in and yeah yeah those are gorgeous so you can have that smoking like experience but then enjoy your your extracts so th- this whole family of uh of p- pipes like the puffco peak and the carta these all would fall into the conduction category right because um, that that ceramic bowl that's being heated and then we're putting our dab oil on it, that is a direct application of heat, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Um, do you have any do you have anything else to say about that like that that type of design before we move forward? No, I think that well, I I always have something to say, <laughs> I suppose. Go ahead, finish this off on uh, this topic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um again, look at at the waste product, right? So what's left in in the bowl when you're done. Uh and that can tell you a, a little bit about clues to the to the chemistry that's happening um during the process of vaporization. So when you're left with, you know, dark uh resiny um substances, uh, then you you haven't completely completely uh, vaporize them and you may have altered the chemistry just like when uh, in a cartridge that's near the end of life the oil has changed from a maybe a light honey um, to a a really darker uh, blend because you've altered the oils um, and you're left with some of that heavier kind of uh, compounds in there that's interesting how what is left um, depending on what is left uh, can say something about your temperature choice, but it can also mm-hmm. say something about what's in the oil. True. Um, so other other than the the under combusted dark oil that you're talking about, what what else might we find in re- remaining in the bowl that we would want to be aware of? <laughs> Um, well, you're not having any plant matter. So what you've got are, are largely just different oil compounds. Um, when you, uh, when the changes happen to terpenes, uh, and Dr. Strongen from Portland State University has done some interesting research on, on dabs and sort of the byproducts of of conventional dabbing techniques this doesn't apply to low temperature dabbing uh, but for high temperature dabs um, there's you know a what there's a great word pyrolytic mm. but literally means fire changed uh, and thermolytic is probably the more accurate thing they the, the oils then break down into those benzene rings and these other um, you know hydrocarbons that have been shown to be present in in uh, you know cigarette smokes and be uh, you know cancer causing compounds so I'm not saying that that's 
what is in there, but there is a likelihood of, of, of finding those kinds of, of compounds in that remaining. Goo. Goo. Yeah, <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, I was trying to think of the right thing. Yeah. It is goo. It's gunk. Yeah. It's gross. Um, yeah. and, it, and it's a really um, good encouragement for us that when we do get a new vaporizer to um, really spend some time getting to know um, the different temperature points so that we can you know, really find the right temperature for how we like to smoke yeah. so that we're, we're not having that much much. Um, you know, uh, residue and that we're not tempted to smoke it once it's become gunk. We want to, we want to heat it properly. So, uh, we get to inhale it pre gunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, for anybody making a selection of a, of a vaporizer, it really comes down to your preferences, right? Uh, you know, how much do you value the discreteness? There's a time and a place, you know, for a, for a vape pen that's, you know, nothing else is going to, to actually fill that need, um, for you. Uh, and then how much of an enthusiast are you? Are you concerned about uh, preserving terps? Are you looking for the full kind of a more relaxed, ritualized experience, which some of those will give you? Um, or are you looking for something that's a little faster and, uh, you actually, I, I don't know about you, but I really don't want to interact with my phone to then control my, <laughs> control my vaporizer, right? Uh, interact with my phone enough. So yeah, it, really, it does much- take you out of, it, it does take you out of being present, but I also have to cop to the fact that I've never done that yet. So I, I, look, right. for, I look forward to having that opportunity. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So how much is the technology, um, enhancing your experience or is your technology getting in the way of your experience? Is it, is it becoming part of the focus of your experience or not? Yeah. To me, an ideal product kind of fades into the background and you don't have to think about it too much. Right on. Well said. All right. So, um, let's bring an end to this, uh, rather long set and go to our commercial break. Uh, you are listening to Shaping Fire. Oh, and let me make sure you that you come back because because if that was a long set for you, you might be like thinking about taking off. But don't go anywhere because we're talking about something really important on the third set. We are talking about boiling point myths and the difference between evaporation versus boiling. So make sure you come back from that. Uh, you are listening to Shaping Fire, and my guest today is aerospace engineer Mark Lewis. After you've caught up on the latest Shaping Fire episodes, do you sometimes wish there was more cannabis education available to learn? Well, we got you. Shaping Fire has a fabulous YouTube channel with content not found on the podcast. When I attend conventions to speak or moderate panels, I always record them and bring the content home for you to watch. The Shango Los YouTube channel has world-class speakers, including Zoe Sigmund's lecture, Understanding Your Endocannabinoid System, Kevin Jodry of Wonderland Nursery talking about breeding cannabis for the best terpene profile, Frenchie Cannoli's Lost Art of the Hashishin presentation, Nicholas Mahmoud on regenerative and polyculture cannabis growing, Dr. Sunil Agarwal on the history of cannabis medicine around the world, Eric Vlosky and Josh Rutherford on solventless extraction, and Jeff Lowenfels on the soil food web. There are several presentations from Dr. Ethan Russo on terpenes and the endocannabinoid system, too. While there, be sure to check out the three 10-part Shaping Fire Sessions series, one with Kevin Jodry, one with Dr. Ethan Russo, and one with Jeff Lowenfels. And even my own presentations on how to approach finding your dream job in cannabis and why we choose cannabis business, even though the risks are so high. As of today, there's over 200 videos that you can check out for free. So go to youtube.com forward slash Shango Lose or click on the link in the newsletter.
Online cannabis seed distributors often seem to be all the same, but Multiverse Beans constantly works to provide you with cannabis seeds and a buying experience that you won't find elsewhere. Multiverse Beans works directly with the breeders to secure as many packs of your favorites as possible so that they have your favorite beans long after others have sold out. Some shops simply buy breeder minimums, but I get messages all the time from breeders saying some version of Multiverse asked to buy my entire run. At multiversebeans.com, you can find rare cannabis seeds from Night Owl Seeds, including the Dark Owl sublabel. Mephisto Genetics, Square One Genetics, Robin Hood Seeds, and Ethos, and so many others. Multiverse also initiates projects with breeders to secure exclusive packs that you simply won't find elsewhere. Multiverse founder Paul Lal sees himself not only as a curator of the best cannabis seeds available, but also as a collaborator with breeders, trying to bring novel crosses to the market that his customers are asking for. Multiverse Beans also creates exclusive stickers for their popular seed varieties that are available free only when you order those seeds from Multiverse. Check out their stickers like the badass recent slap for Mothman by Gnome Automatics on Instagram at Multiverse Beans. And finally, the freebies. As you'd expect, Paul sends quality freebies with every order. And when you spend at least $150, Multiverse allows you to choose your freebies from their special selections. You can get a 10% discount off regularly priced items when you use the discount code SHAPINGFIRE, all one word, at checkout. Sign up for their mailing list to be eligible for their monthly seed giveaway worth $250. So go to multiversebeans.com now for a buying experience you won't get anywhere else. Sometimes the topics I want to share with you are far too brief for an entire Shaping Fire episode. In those instances, I post them to Instagram. I invite you to follow my two Instagram profiles and participate online. The Shaping Fire Instagram has follow-up posts to Shaping Fire episodes, growing and processing best practices, product trials, and, of course, gorgeous flower photos. The Shango Los Instagram follows my travels on cannabis garden tours, my successes and failures in my own garden, insights and best practices from personal grows everywhere, and always gorgeous flower photos. On both profiles, the emphasis is on sharing what I've learned in a way that you can replicate it in your own garden, your own hash lab, or for your own cannabinopathic health. So I encourage you to follow at Shaping Fire and at Shango Los and join our online community on Instagram. Welcome back. You are listening to Shaping Fire. I am your host, Shangolos, and my guest today is aerospace engineer, Mark Lewis. So here's the big finish. During the first set, we talked about why we vape and and what the customer experience is, the consumer experience is, and and why so many people are attracted to vaping. During the second set, we went in depth into the vaporizer technologies as as they are right now, and uh, a whole bunch of strategies for, for, you know, getting a vape in your hands that fits your or um, smoking preferences because they really are a personal device. Well, here in set three, we're going to finish up with a discussion of uh, evaporation versus boiling um, because, you know, uh, if, if, if the primary physics that we want to have happen is the cannabinoids and terpenes and the, the rest of the resin components to be vaporized and then inhaled into our lungs, it really does matter what their volatility levels are and whether we're evaporating or boiling. And 
in our scene on Instagram or on Reddit, you know, it's very common to see these little charts that show all of the volatility points for different terpenes and cannabinoids. And, and we feel like that empowers us. Um, but Mark, you've written this great blog on your website um, that explains how that belief is not quite right. And, and then people are using that information and the, the thermostats on our, on our vaporizers in, in ways that aren't maybe getting the results that they're looking for. So, so I guess, I guess let's, let's slide into this by, by talking about these charts that exist and and what their limitations are that you see as as a engineer yeah yeah thanks Django. i appreciate that um the uh, i'm fascinated by these boiling point charts and when i first saw them i was like oh that's really cool and oh these vaporizers are are saying that i can dial in you know a particular terpene if i you know if i dial it to 349 degrees fahrenheit i will get limonene you know because that's the boiling point of limonene and um you know that's just not true <laughs> it's the bottom line of that um as you as you look deeper into it uh you know those those may be the boiling points um boiling points are notoriously difficult to actually measure so there's boiling ranges uh, most scientists uh, use boiling ranges rather than a particular boiling point uh, because it's pressure dependent and and there's other aspects of the purity of the sample and all of these other things that that lead to boiling or not boiling um so there's that but that's not as relevant as the other aspects here. The, the great thing about the charts is that it gives you some relative volatility of the compound. So by volatility, how easy is it to go from a liquid to a vapor? So something that's super volatile um, at room temperature will evaporate really rapidly. Think of rubbing alcohol, for example. So that's a pretty volatile compound, whereas as water is not a very volatile compound. Uh, it takes a little bit more work to get those molecules into their, into their gaseous form. So those boiling point charts are, are great to understand some relative volatility, but they're, they don't tell the entire story, if you will. So... So do they have any value to us as people who are consuming cannabis with vaporizers? Like, like if there, if there might be some, you know, maybe not inaccuracies in them, but some contextual things that are missing, can they be useful to us at all? How could we use them to our benefit or, or is it, is it, is it just not useful? Yeah, no, they're, they are useful in understanding sort of the relative nature of these different compounds. So what we've got in cannabis uh, is this wonderful bouquet of, of different aromatics and flavonoids and cannabinoids um, that are in this mixture. And it's helpful to maybe think about it as a perfume. Uh, 
Um, and in that perfume, there's these top notes that are lighter. They're the citrusy notes. They're, you know, they're, uh, if you think about that in terms of a perfume, there's, there's your top notes, your mid notes, and your base notes. Now, if you put on your cologne or your perfume, um, you know, right away, you're getting those earlier notes as part of the mixture. Um, they're more dominant. But you're still getting the base notes and those smells uh, as the perfume evaporates off of you. Um, but the mixture later on, an hour later, is going to maybe be less on the top notes and more dominant with the mid notes, but your base notes are still there as well. And then later on into the evening, you know, a lot of your top notes have all evaporated. Your mid notes, there's less of them. And your base <laughs> notes then are the dominant smell that you will smell. And similarly, uh, that happens more rapidly um, with vaporization, uh, particularly flower vaporization, is that you are, for a particular power setting on your, on your vaporizer, um, you are going to get a different mixture um, of, of those compounds. And your second pull will be slightly different. Your third pull will be slightly different. Your fourth pull will be more different. And throughout your session with a particular... A bowl, um, you're going to be left then uh, at the end with some of the heavier, more difficult to volatize um, compounds, but they'll still be present. You know, that sounds fun, but also frustrating, right? Because I, I want all of it at the same time, but, but my mind suggests that the way that I would get them all at the same time is if I am uh, using a really hot setting which would right. then also give me a satisfying cloud perhaps but but what i'm doing is i'm like wrecking probably the more volatile ones in order to get the more base ones and even though in my head i'm thinking oh if i if i scorch it at this higher temperature i'll get i'll get all the good stuff at once that that isn't really how it plays out is it uh, yes and no mm. i mean if you if you crank up the heat, you're going to uh, volatize more rapidly, right? Um, so you're going to get, uh, you're, it's still going to happen in a similar way. Your, your, your lighter compounds are going to evaporate more rapidly. It's just going to be on a compressed time scale. And so the benefits of, of those who choose to do low temperature vaporization is that it spreads out that extraction, if you will, over, over time. And so you're able to taste and experience the subtleties, um, you know, in a different way. Uh, again, if, if, if I have a medical condition that I'm um, treating uh, and, I, and I need that rapid onset, then, you know, by all means, crank it up. <laughs> what, what, would so. be the, what would be the temper that you would recommend, temperature you would recommend if somebody's goal is to uh, get as much as they can out of it, you know, tasting, tasting you know, uniform in, you know, just a hit or two? Yeah, well, I I would you know personally I'm I'm never personally really, you wouldn't recommend yeah, that personally I wouldn't recommend that um, I think you get a lot more out of your cannabis uh, through a, a lower I I started out there Shango uh, when I first uh, started exploring vaporization and I wanted to you know, ratchet it up to that pre-combustion point right so that I had that heavy roast I I felt 
you know, got the feedback that was more familiar to me, like smoking. Um, and honestly, I, you know, over the last couple of years, I consistently start dialing it back farther and farther and farther. And it extends my session a little bit, but my enjoyment level goes way up. Uh, I don't approach with the bowl. There's a point in your bowl where you start to experience a, a bite, and, and that's when I cash out. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're up in that pre-combustion zone where you're at, you know, temperatures around 400 or, or greater, um, you're going to get to that bite a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And to me, then I'm wasting product because I didn't experience all, all of the joy that the rest of the compounds <laughs> were, were offering me. Um. I think that that speaks to a really important point and can probably be like a theme for the show, which is um, part of choosing to use a vaporizer for your consumption involves um, having a different experience than combustion because vaporizing is never going to be combustion. And so part of becoming a regular vaporizer is is learning to smoke in new ways for example um you know uh people who are fans of the cold start where where you you warm up the tool already loaded and 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 the 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 dab oil slowly increases and you're and you're taking hits as it's warming up working its way all the way up you your your sesh has significantly expanded in the time and also um, your every hit that you take is going to be different, but that that evolution of the hits is itself a a different experience, an enjoyable experience, a connoisseur's experience that you that you don't get with with a joint. Yeah, it's it's slowing it down a little bit, um, uh, which I think we've lost a little bit in in our cannabis consumption, right? Uh, keep, keep the foreplay in cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's uh, leaning into, I mean, we don't do shots of alcohol anymore after college. I mean, maybe occasionally, but uh, to me, it's, it's more like sipping a fine cocktail or a whiskey uh, rather than, you know, slamming it back and not just going after the end result uh, again uh, no judgment because you know that that was a large part of my life for a while um and, and but, as we've talked about throughout the show this whole show is about personal preference right yeah so, absolutely so we're not trying to judge absolutely. anybody yeah, no yeah. not at all not at all it's just be open-minded to experiencing cannabis differently and i think that's what vaporization offers you is this uh, you know a, a really different way to enjoy really high quality cannabis. And uh, I'm blessed and you're blessed uh, and others out there are blessed to live in places where they have really conscientious cultivators who are creating these amazing terp rich uh, uh, varietals um, that I think deserve to be experienced in their fullest. And for me, uh, flower vaporization is a way for for me to taste and experience that uh, complexity uh, that the plant has to offer. And, and the high is different uh, than, than combusting. Well, that, you know, 
that that's a really great ending to the show there, Mark. You know, I, I was going to ask you if, if there are any more boiling point myths that you wanted to point out. And so I am because I don't you may you may have something else that you want to bring to the table before we wrap up. But that was that was beautiful. Uh, do you have any other boiling point myths that you want to bring up before we end the show? Well, the, well, the only real thing is, is that um, the mechanism is not really boiling, which is internal to a fluid. It's it's better to think about it as evaporation uh, and just a rapid evaporation rather than than a boiling. I see. So so the charts that point out the boiling point, they may be scientifically accurate, but but really because evaporation starts before boiling, we're back to um, you pointing out that it, it really is more of a range. And, yeah. it, and it is a range that every time we take a hit, um, we're going to cool the the heating element to some degree and so we're we're just going to be whatever temperature we we pick we're actually just going to be kind of cycling up and down in that general neighborhood yeah some devices warm up faster and and compensate but but largely yeah you're 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 doing that kind of cycling um back and forth the boiling points again give you the relative how how you're going to experience uh that bowl i guess excellent well, Mark, thank you so much for being a guest on Shaping Fire. You know, um, I've been a fan um, of vaporizers for years, and you know, I, but I've never actually like studied them very hard. And and as I said in the introduction, you know, when I met you, you had the actual scientific answers for for the questions that I had had for years. And 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 it was funny because our you know well, our first phone call was over an hour, and. Um, <laughs> And I was like so excited to hear you cross applying all this vaporization, um, all these vaporization questions I had to to you know aeronautical aeronautical engineering and and rocket science. I was all like, oh, I have finally found my person for <laughs> for the vaping show. So, um, so I really appreciate you, um, you know, uh, coming over and hanging out with us on Shaping Fire for a little while and and um, you know, sharing your expertise and also you know kind of taking it out of the heady super science vocabulary that you and I used on our first phone call. And, and kind of put it in layman's terms, terms today so that we could do a show that would be open to everybody. So, so I, I appreciate your knowledge and your ability to make that knowledge accessible to all sorts of different kind of cannabis enthusiasts. Well, thank you so much, Shango. And thank you for all that you have done over the years to really educate consumers uh, about this wonderful plant and, and other plants that are out there. Um, it, it, you've been a part of my own educational journey and your guests have been uh, part of that journey. And I just want to do a shout out to all of those people in the cannabis space who are helping to educate others uh, and to demythify mm. uh, this uh, industry, because the more we can demythify it, uh, the more we can move beyond the stigma and and start really celebrating uh, what the plant has to offer us. Fabulous. All right, dear listener, um, if you want to uh, learn more from Mark, um, I highly recommend that you check out his website, 
where he has got a handful of blog uh, entries that are very interesting uh, with all sorts of charts and graphs, including the one that we did this last set primarily focused on on boiling point myths, which uh, it goes into far more detail than we did here today. And um, you can find the blog section at his website, which is pearllabs.com. And so it's spelled specially. So it's P-R-R-L. L A B S dot com. It's kind of like a cat, pearllabs.com. And there you will find um, you know, his blog and and also the vaporizers that he has um engineered himself um with all of this insight. And uh, I'm a big fan of the uh the Neo that I talked about in the introduction. So at the very least go check it out because a uh, a vaporizer that functions like a uh like a handheld lighter is a pretty cool thing to see. You can find more episodes of the Shaping Fire podcast and subscribe to the show at shapingfire.com and wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review of the podcast wherever you download. Your review will help others find the show so they can enjoy it too. On the Shaping Fire website, you can also subscribe to the newsletter for insights into the latest cannabis news, exclusive videos, and giveaways. On the Shaping Fire website, you also find transcripts of today's podcast as well. Be sure to follow on Instagram for all original content not found on the podcast. That's at Shaping Fire and at Shango Los on Instagram. Be sure to check out the Shaping Fire YouTube channel for exclusive interviews, farm tours, and cannabis lectures. Does your company want to reach our national audience of cannabis enthusiasts? Email hotspot at shapingfire.com to find out how. Thanks for listening to Shaping Fire. I've been your host, Shango Los.